Chapter 24 We first encountered Visser 3 within minutes of finding the Andalite Prince, Alfangor. Visser 3 showed up and murdered the helpless Alfangor. Since that time, we have fought him many times. He is the only Yurk in all the universe ever to have successfully taken over an Andalite body, long ago in another war on another planet. When he took the Andalite body as a host, he acquired the Andalite's ability to morph. He is the only morph-capable Yurk. And now I understood why his brother, this Yurk living in the head of Joe Bob Finestre, would instruct his men to shoot at birds and any other animal they saw. Any one of them might be Visser Three in morph. I gather from your silence that you know my brother, Finestre said. We have fought him, I said simply. And yet, you're still alive. Not many can say that. My compliments. How do you survive without having access to the Yurk Pool? I see you have created a replica here in this room, but surely you haven't managed to create your own Kandrona to supply the vital Kandrona rays. Finestre nodded. Well, well. So you know a Yurk Pool when you see one. And you know about the Kandrona. He shrugged. I have found a way to stay alive without a Kondrona. That's not important. What's important is... What now? He's lying, Cassie whispered instantly. Or at least he's not telling the whole truth. The Kondrona. He doesn't want to talk about that. I nodded my tiger head. It probably looked funny, such a human gesture coming from a huge cat. Your brother must know where you are. He could kill you any time he wants. He could hit you from orbit and leave this place a big, smoky ruin. Now, now, that would be too noisy. Some idiot human with a camcorder could manage to record it. He could send hork Bajir. They'd cut through your guards just like we did. Or he could come himself. If he wanted to kill you, he would. He could. He hasn't. So why not? Finestre smiled a wintry smile. Clever, clever Andalites. So good with your computers and your magnificent dome ships. You still think you're the lords of the galaxy, don't you? We spread from planet to planet, and you keep falling back. And yet your arrogance is so unbelievable, you never pause to consider that maybe you're not so clever after all. Cassie's right. Merkel chimed in. He's weaseling. He's trying to distract you. Yeah, you're both right, I said. Then to Finestre, I said, If you want to live, answer my questions. Answer me and you'll live. Lie. I let the threat hang in the air. Finestre looked at me long and hard. I suppose I'll have to rely on Andalite Anna, he said in a mocking tone. All right. My brother has not killed me, because I have information he wants and needs. He doesn't want me dead, he wants me in his torture chamber aboard his blade ship. You see, I have found a way to survive without the Kondrona, and Visser Three would give anything to know how. Finestre lowered the Dracon beam he'd been pointing at Axe. There is a way to process and refine Kondrona rays from another source. It can be made into an edible product. A food, so to speak, that I can consume with my human mouth and digest. 
I felt a cold chill. If that was true, there would be no stopping the Yurks. Their reliance on Yurk pools and Kondrona rays was one of their greatest weaknesses. You're lying, I said. If there was a way to keep Yurks alive without Kondrona rays and Yurk pools, that information would make you invulnerable, even to your brother. This time, the wintry smile was even colder, if that's possible. Oh, maybe not. For one thing, there is a long, involved process. But that's not the problem. The problem is the raw material. The raw material is my brother Yuck's. I must destroy and process and consume a Yuck every three days to survive. I have become a cannibal. Whoa, Marco said. My brother would use this process for himself, but, as you can imagine, it will never become popular around the Yuck Empire. You really are Visser Three's twin, I said. I felt sick. Then, I felt even sicker. How do you get the Yurks? He shrugged. What do you think that silly Yuck forum is about? That silly mix of fact and fiction. I control Web Access America. I know the identity of all the screen names. The chat room is full of different types. People who are actually controllers, trying to throw suspicious humans off track. Humans who have discovered our little invasion and are trying to rally opposition to us. And then, there's me. I spot the controllers. I spot the humans who think they have found family members who are yurks. I monitor the real gung-ho yurk fighters who identify potential controllers. I track down the screen names. I find the yurks. Once ever three days. Ten a month. Cool by me, Marco whispered. Give the man a pat on the back and let's get Axe and Rachel out of here. I had the same feeling. Finestra was a sickening creature, but as vile as he might be, he was wiping out a hundred or more yurks per year. So much the better. But then Cassie exploded. How are you getting the yurks from the human hosts? Finestra cocked an eyebrow at her. He seemed surprised. I saw a shadow of suspicion in his eyes. Cassie's question had not been whispered. It had been shouted angrily. Why, he was asking himself, would an Endolite care? How am I getting the yucks from the human hosts? His face was dark, his eyes empty. How do you think I get them? Chapter 25 Cassie let loose a growl and was racing toward Fenestre before I could say a word. He raised his dracon beam. I leapt through the air. I landed, paws outstretched, but claws retracted, on Cassie. I knocked her wolf body sprawling across the floor. What are you doing? She yelled. We aren't here to annihilate this guy, I said. I told him we wouldn't. Do you know what he's doing? Do you understand? Cassie cried. I know! I know! I know! I screamed in frustration. But I told him he was safe. I promised. Besides... No! Don't say it, Jake! If you say that, I won't be able to deal with you anymore. So don't say it! I felt like she'd punched me. In my own, real face. What had I been about to say? Was I really going to say it was okay for this creature to go on doing what he did, as long as he got the Yurks?
Was I going to say that? Me? I wasn't going to say what you think, I said lamely. Cassie didn't answer. She was good at spotting lies. Too good. I... I don't think... I stammered. That kid, go. That kid who was worried about his dad. Cassie said. That lonely little kid. That's who this monster goes after, Jake. Not some abstract person with no face and no name. He'll wait until Gump does something stupid. Till he confesses his fears to his controller father. And his father makes him a controller too. Then, Venetia will go after them. What do you expect me to do? I asked her. You want me to get rid of this man because he's evil? Do you want to do that yourself, Cassie? You... Your morph would do it better, she said. You want me to get rid of him for you? I asked. That's what you want. Fineshi just stood there, waiting, as a wolf and a tiger bristled, face to face. He was trying to figure something out, but I could see from his eyes that the truth had not come to him yet. I backed away from Cassie. I turned back to Fenestre. My friend has lost friends in battle against your people. She is emotional. He nodded, unimpressed. We've all lost friends in this unpleasantness. Release my two friends, I said. We'll let you live. We'll walk away. As long as you are in this house, we won't harm you. But I'll tell you so you'll know. If we ever catch up with you in the outside world, that protection will not exist. It was a stupid little threat. I said it to make myself feel better. Axe and Rachel were released. The instant Fenestra turned off the biostasis fields, Axe continued to morph back into his normal andalite shape. I stared hard at Rachel. Was she breathing? Yes. Was there still time to get her back into her own body? Rachel! Can you hear me? Huh? What? Oh man, what am I doing here? Rachel, listen to me. Start demorphing. Right now. There's some guy. Who's that guy? She asked, glaring at Fenestre with eagle's eyes. Rachel, for once, don't argue. Forget the guy. We're getting out of here. Demorph! Do it! Marco, get Rachel. Carry her out of here. I'm not letting him carry me. But she was too weak to do much, so Marco went over and lifted her gently in his massive gorilla hands. Perhaps we'll meet again, Fenestre said cockily as we backed away. I said nothing. What was there to say? I was letting a monster live. I was letting a killer go free. By the time we hit the stairs, Rachel was demorphing. Axe was almost fully Andalite. He still had two birdshot pellets in his body, but they weren't enough to harm him. Tobias flew, as well as he could, overhead. We stumbled and trotted down the stairs, through the wreckage of the house and outside into the fenced, defended yard. By the time we reached the trees, Rachel was Rachel again. We all demorphed, and soon we were five tired, wary kids, and one Andalite hidden in the deep shadows of the trees. We could still see the house, Fenestre's billionaire mansion. What happened in there? Rachel demanded. Someone ripped that place. Was there some big fight and I missed it? Oh man, 
I can't believe I missed a big fight. So what happened? Someone will tell you later, I said shortly. Was the guy a controller or not? Rachel demanded. Was he a good guy or a bad guy? I laughed a little. My eyes locked with Cassie's, and then we both looked away, unwilling to make contact. Rachel, I don't even know which I am anymore. Chapter 26 I guess someone eventually told Rachel and X what had happened. It wasn't me. I got home and went up to my room and just stared at nothing for a long time. My mom called me to dinner and I mumbled my way through. And then I went out in the backyard and sat on my rusted out old swing set from when I was four and I stared at the sky as it turned dark. The stars came out and, man, I hated them. They weren't beautiful. They were deadly. It was from the stars that all my problems had come. My mom came out after a while. She pretended like she was checking to see if the grass needed watering. But, of course, she was checking on me. What you doing out here? Thinking great thoughts? Nah, just hanging. She locked her arms over her chest and looked up at the sky like I was doing. It's a beautiful night. Look at those stars. Yeah. Is anything bothering you, Jake? Nope. Well, if anything was bothering you, you could probably tell me without my embarrassing you too much. I know, Mom. It's nothing. She sighed. Well, I guess it had to happen sooner or later. You've turned into a real teenager. Mom's too out of it to talk to. She didn't say it in a mean way. More like a joke. I made a smile for her. That must be it, I said. It must be the whole teenage thing. She shrugged. You know, when I was your age and feeling upset, my mother, your Graham, would always just say, you don't know what unhappy is. You're just a kid. Like anything a kid would feel would be less difficult or painful than what an adult would feel. That's probably true. I said, not really listening. No, it isn't, my mother said firmly. In a lot of ways, being a kid is worse than being an adult. You have the same things to deal with. Friends, temptations, love and hate, and all that. Only you don't have the two great weapons that adults have to help them. I cocked an eye at her. What two great weapons? Well, the first is experience. Experience maybe doesn't make you smarter but it means you can think, hey, I had something like this happen once before, and I survived. Okay, I'll ask. What's the second great weapon? She looked right at me. You are, Jake. Because as your mom, I can look at you and think, oh man, as bad as I feel right now, as bad as things may be, at least it isn't as bad as being a teenager. I laughed. It was a tired, weak laugh. But it was something. You know, X-Files is on. You used to love that show. The next day at school, I was still feeling bad. It's nice that my mom and dad care about me. It's nice that they sympathize. But they don't understand. And they can't understand because for them, everything is about my age. How can they help me make life and death decisions? How can they help me keep making those decisions when I've made mistakes? How can they help me make decisions no human being can ever make correctly? 
like deciding what to do with Fenestre. I looked around for Cassie. We'd left it on pretty bad turns. But after a while, I realized she wasn't there. Wasn't in school. I suddenly knew where she was. I made my way to the roof of the school building, cursing under my breath because I knew I was going to get busted for skipping second period. Then I morphed to my falcon and flew away. I wasted some time going to Gump's house, which was stupid. Cassie would have waited till he was away from the house. So I searched around for the nearest elementary school and headed there. The kids were at recess. One little boy was way off by himself, at the far end of the playfield. There was a dog with him. At least, the average person walking by would think it was a dog. I knew it was a wolf. As I watched, the little boy patted the wolf and then walked back to his classmates. The wolf watched him go, then jumped the fence and faded towards some nearby trees. Cassie, I said. She looked up, surprised. I landed on the ground and began to demorph. She resumed her human shape too. That was Gump, I guess. Yeah. What did you tell him? I told him I was a magic talking wolf. He didn't exactly buy that. I guess by his age, they're pretty past the point where they believe in magic. Yeah, I guess so. I told him not to go to that chat room again. I told him... Her lip quivered suddenly. I told him not to talk to his father about Yerks. Told him not to... Her voice was strangled. She gritted her teeth and squeezed out the last few words. I told that little boy not to trust his father. There were tears running down her face. I guess they were running down my face, too. One of the things Cassie and I share is that we trust our parents. Unlike some people, I guess. What a terrible thing for me to do, Cassie said. What a filthy, disgusting thing for me to do. It was the best you could do, I said. It was all you could do. I guess it's hard to fight evil without doing some along the way. Maybe there was a little I told you so in my voice. Cassie just walked away. I let her go. Not everything can be settled. Not everything can be smoothed over. A few days later, they showed a fire on the TV news. It was a very big story because it was this huge mansion. The mansion belonged to billionaire Joe Bob Finestre. Finestre was safe. No one was hurt. I remembered warning him that he was safe only as long as he stayed in that house. Now it was no longer possible for him to stay in the house. Did the mansion burn down on its own? Or did someone start the fire that deprived that evil creature of sanctuary? If someone set the fire, there was a long list of suspects. Visser 3. Cassie. One of the others. Me. I guess you'll never know. I make mistakes. I fail sometimes. Sometimes, I'm just plain stupid. Sometimes, there is no right answer to the problems we face. But what can you do but keep trying to figure the answer out anyway? What else can you do? About a week went by after the fire before I went to Cassie's house. She was in the barn, taking care of the sick animals. I didn't ask her any questions, and she didn't ask me. I helped her put a splint on a deer with a broken leg. It was just a good thing to do. No second guessing. No doubts.
and after a while, Cassie and I started talking, and even laughing. The others came over, and we talked about flying. But instead of flying, we stayed there and shoveled the manure out of the barn. The six of us shoveled dirty hay, and Marco made dumb jokes, and Axe tried to eat a cow pie, and Rachel moaned about Cassie's pathetic taste in clothing. And we were us again. For now. Hello, Phantomorphs. Thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And we've done it, folks. Another book down. Uh, thank you so much for continuing to go on this journey with me, for continuing to enjoy what I do. I will try to get the supercut out this week, but if it doesn't happen next week for sure, I promise. Uh, I actually got a, a question slash comment um, sent in through my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse. It's like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, and so this is from James. And um, before I get into this, I, I, this is my second time recording this because the first time I recorded all this ended up being like 12 minutes long. That's way too long. I'm going to try to be more concise this time. So forgive me if I speak a little fast. Uh, here we go. James wrote, Hi, I have some questions and some comments. Comment first. I just absolutely adore Audiomorphs. The heart you bring to all the characters is just wonderful. Your sound effects always make me smile, and every time you finish a book and put it up as a bonus episode, I just know I'm going to have a great day. I'm not a week-to-week listener. Sorry, my memory just isn't that good. So, all in all, thank you for this. It's so great. Uh, I'll answer this, and then I'll get to your questions one by one, James. Uh, thank you so much, James, for writing in. Thank you so much for enjoying what I do. I really appreciate that. Um, and totally don't worry about the fact that you don't listen to my supercuts. If I were a listener of this podcast, I would honestly probably just listen to the supercuts as well. I'm also not really a week to week guy. I, I wouldn't want to listen to a story, uh, chapter by chapter by that, uh, like that. Um, so thank you so much for enjoying this. Um, onto your questions. Some questions though. One, why are you so hard to find on the internet? The website took me 15 minutes of Googling and the only way of reaching out to you is through this form or an inactive Twitter account. Are you a ghost or something? Uh, so let's work backwards from that. Am I a ghost or something? No, I actually I have a presence online. Uh, I just like to keep it somewhat divorced from this podcast. Because uh, I, I just feel like y'all are here to hear Animorphs. You're not here to, you know, learn about me. I actually don't have a Twitter account associated with this podcast. I googled it quick, uh, briefly because I read this. And there is a Twitter account with a, a title, Audiomorphs. That's not related to me. That's not me. Um, please don't tweet at that person. They don't know anything about this. Um, I didn't make a Twitter account for this because uh, I don't know when I was starting. I didn't even know if I was going to keep doing it. And uh, I certainly didn't think anyone was going to write into me. Um, and also, I just don't like Twitter that much. Sorry. As for my website, uh, I just probably have bad SEO. When I started this, uh, I actually didn't even have the word audiobook like associated with this podcast because I was kind I was semi afraid that Scholastic would just come and shut me down. Um, but so far, so good. Um, and so I've started kind of incorpor- uh, make, getting, you know, the SEO up a little bit, you know. Um, but I'm also not like a real expert at social media or whatever. Um, so uh, I put the website in the show notes every time. It's at the bottom uh, in the description. I don't really know what else to do. Uh, I, I just realized that Jacob doesn't hear any of this because he only listens to the supercuts. So... Uh, I, I'll think about it, Jacob. Sorry, sorry it took you so much work to find me. Um, I'll try better. Number two, related question. Do you have a Patreon? Please, can you have a Patreon? I really want to give you a kickback for the work you're doing. Can I at least buy you a coffee? 
Uh, thank you so much for wanting to financially contribute to this podcast. Uh, I do not have a Patreon. You are, I think, the second or third person to ask me about that. Uh, the reason I don't have a Patreon or a coffee currently is that, uh, well, the Patreon specifically because I, <laughs> the idea of creating bonus content for this for uh, donation tiers kind of stresses me out, to be honest. Um, there is a link to donate to my server fees on uh, my website. It's uh, it links to my PayPal, um, and you know I'm I'm very humbled and very grateful anytime anyone feels that uh, it, this is worth giving money to. But uh, when I started this out, I kind of had it in my head that this was not going to be uh, something I I do for for cash, and uh, especially since you know this I I put a lot into these, but it's ultimately you know it, it's not my content. I I use other people's music. I I use other people's uh, writing. Um, so it feels a little weird to, to try to make a profit, you know, covering my server fees. That's fine, you know, uh, but, but making a profit feels a little weird to me. And, and I feel like the Patreon's kind of a step toward that. Um, and also, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like this is worth a recurring monthly donation. That feels, you guys have better things to spend this on. Give your money to something more worthwhile, you know, um, but thank you to everyone who does donate to me. Um, I, I've had a few, and I'm deeply, deeply humbled by that. Number three, uh, have you realized that at the current rate, it's going to take you uh, nine more years to finish the series? Because I mean, like, damn. This is why I want you to have a Patreon, because people could give you money for it, and it would let you dedicate more time to it. Uh, so again, uh, thank you for the concern. And uh, I hadn't actually calculated how long it would take me, but um, I don't know. I'm having fun, so I don't think I'm going to quit anytime soon. Um, the, the thing is, uh, I work a full-time job, 40 hours a week, and uh, I do this in my off time throughout the week. And uh, so the Patreon wouldn't really help me unless it gave me enough money that I could quit my job, you know? And uh, that seems unlikely. Um, and, and if I were to increase my workload, um, I, I have a very, first I should say, uh, I, I think I have undiagnosed ADHD and I've been meaning to get that looked at, still haven't, but I'm afraid that if I increase my workload, I will hit burnout. And, um, I, I know myself and I know there is a limit to how much I can do, even if I'm enjoying something before I need to like switch tasks. Uh, and do something else to help me unwind. And, and I, I am seriously afraid that if I try to increase the, uh, length of the episodes a bit, much more than what it is at, I will hit burnout and then I will want to quit. And I don't want to do that. And I don't think you want that to happen. So that's, is where it is, unless you are willing to pay me <laughs> a lot more money than I think you are. <laughs> um, but thank you. Thank you for the concern. And then number four, how are you doing? Are you having a really great get? Are you having a really great day? Thank you so much for asking. That's really nice. I'm doing okay. I'm a little hungry. Uh, I need to go eat dinner after I finish editing all this. Um, I'm not having a really great day. I'm having an okay day. It's a Thursday. Um, but you know, sometimes an okay day is a fine day to have. You know, not every not every day has to be a great day, in my opinion. Um, I'm you know I'm having a good time. So thank you for asking. And then he writes, uh, all the best, James. P.S. I hope you check this inbox sometime. Don't worry, I do. I Again, I realize you have not heard any of the other questions because you do not listen to it weekly. 
I'll probably actually email this guy back just because, you know, he deserves to hear this. Um, but don't worry. I check these. Uh, so same to everyone else who, who writes in. I check these every week. Don't worry. Uh, so if you'd like to write me a comment like this, uh, you can do that again at my website, theapocalypse.com. Uh, that's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D. Or you can write in at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Or you can go on Apple Podcasts, write a rating and review, and leave a message for me there. I'd read that as well. Uh, so with all that out of the way, I want, I want to talk about something a little more serious. Um, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, I'm sure you're aware. Um, a, a, a black man in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, named Jacob Blake... Uh, was, I believe, trying to settle a dispute between two women when the police arrived. Um, and then he went back to his car uh, to check on his three young children in the car. And, and the Kenosha PD shot him seven times in the back. Um, and so protests hadn't actually stopped, but they have certainly surged up again. And I will be posting some some links for donations uh, in the episode descriptions and... Uh, once again, if you weren't you weren't aware, uh, me as a person and this this podcast as my platform are deeply in support of of the protests. Um, I don't care if there are looters. I don't care if they've got this or that. Um, there is injustice happening, and by any means, it needs to be addressed because they we've we've tried you know hashtags and petitions and voting and. Um, the police are keep killing black people. And so, as Martin Luther King said, riots are the voice of the unheard. And so, uh, these protesters are making their voice heard. And I support that 100%. And if you have the means, uh, please, please donate. If you have the means, please, please protest. Um, you know, if, you know, if you have the ability, go take a, a medic class. You know, street medics are, are so important. Go take a medic class. Uh, if, uh, if you can learn how to shoot a gun, I, I'm, that sounds awful to say, but learn how to shoot a gun. Um, because, uh, if you've been listening to the news, you're also aware of that 17 year old whose name I don't even want to say. Um, and, you know, he's not alone. There are a lot more people like him out there, and that scares me. It deeply, truly does. And I think that, I mean, I know that the police aren't going to help us. Um, and, and I know all we have to rely on is each other. And so we got to learn how to protect each other by any means. Um, and that means sometimes, uh, guns, you know, I, I'm not advocating we go out and, and, you know, shoot up anyone. But, um, when, when people like that show up, we got have to have the means to defend ourselves. Um, when the police show up, we have to have the means to defend ourselves. Um, and, you know, I, I realize not everyone can shoot a gun. Not everyone has either the physical or emotional or, or mental wherewithal to do that, which is why I also say things, you know, like street medics, um, bringing water to protests, you know, bringing food to protests, uh, monitoring police scanners. There are, there are many different roles, but, uh, get involved because, um, this injustice can't keep happening. This slaughter can't keep happening. And, um, Sorry, uh, it, it's something that that I, I deeply, deeply care about, um, and and uh, I I feel for very deeply. So so please, if you have the means, you know, get get involved. Please, 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 please. All right, and on on that somber note, which 
I mean, I this, this is a book series about kids fighting a battle um, and, and relying on each other. And I, I feel that today. So, um, on, on that somber note, um, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.